0: Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, our, our key verse for this series is from Ephesians chapter two, verse 22. I wanna start by reading that, and then I'm gonna remind us a little bit of where we have been up to this point, and then we'll get into this morning's content. So Ephesians 2, 22, In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God is doing this incredible work in His church, building us together. And and built together is a really cool phrase because it it means working side by side along one alongside one another. So we're we're cooperating together to build something to participate, but it also means literally being fit together, being built together, like a building coming together and all the parts holding the structure together. And so I love that because it's a picture of what God wants to do. He's building us together. He is uniting us with his eternal family, with his church, with this local body. He is knitting us together, but he also wants us to cooperate with that process. He wants us to to find our place and do our part Um, working alongside one another. We need each other. And so, so far in this series, we spent some time kind of in the first third of the series just talking about community and how important community is. And so we were anchored in Romans 12 um, and talking a lot about just the elements that contribute towards being in community, that we're called to be a worshiping community. It's about him. And any sort of unity and relational stuff will flow more naturally out of that because as we look to him and worship him, we are, we're in tune with him, and then we find that we're walking well together. And so we're a worshiping community, we're meant to be a connected community, and then that produces joy and healing. Those are some things that flow out of being in a healthy, Christ-centered community. And all of it is about being rooted in love. And so now we're in the second part of our series, where we're moving into this idea of the spirit building us together. And so Um, We've been talking about spiritual gifts. This is going to be our third Sunday in a row on spiritual gifts. We're kind of concluding that that part of this. And then in the the coming next two or three weeks, we'll talk about um, time, talent, and treasure. We'll talk about um, natural gifts and abilities, acquired skills the Lord has given us, and ways we use those in his kingdom, the way we use our time and our finances to love and serve and build up the body. And so the whole idea behind walking in our gifting, it's not about finding our identity in that. We're anchored in the fact that we are children of God. That's enough. Like I don't get my identity in being the pastor. I'm I'm a fellow sibling in the faith. My identity is rooted in Christ. Now practically, we walk in some gifts and callings and abilities to love and serve and build up the church. So it's meant to be rooted in love. And so as, we, as we've as we moved into this territory on the gifts, some, some things we just said at the outset a couple weeks ago, and, and I'm doing a very brief recap here. Um, often I say, like, I want each sermon to kind of stand on its own, but this Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before that, like, the last three, really do work together to tell kind of a complete story. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen if you missed it. But we believe the gifts are for today, all of them. We believe they're for today. We believe that we are to use them in love, not chasing an experience, not making something of myself, not building up any other name or kingdom or organization. It is meant to be in love to glorify God and to care for one another. That's the purpose of the gifts. And so we're meant to operate in love and we do that by walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the ultimate gift is the Holy Spirit. He's the gift. The presence of God is the gift. And so we enjoy and we cultivate that healthy relationship with the Spirit of God. We walk in relationship with him and then we walk in love with one another. And then these these various gifts that he gives empower us to love each other well, to bring healing and wholeness, to build up and strengthen. We can walk in those gifts so we can reach the lost, that they might come to know Christ. And so that is, that's kind of the backdrop of this. And so when we opened things a couple weeks ago, we, we noted in 1 Corinthians 12 Verses 1 through 11, there were several things that Paul said in there, but there were two primary things. The first thing he said was in verse 1 God desires that we not be ignorant. And that word ignorant means lacking understanding, just not knowing anything about, or even ignoring his gifts. And so it's important that we are aware of the gifts of the Spirit. If this is new territory for you, that's okay. Let's learn. If we've walked some roads or been in some circles where we feel like there's been some hurt or abuse or some things that were not used properly, let's not ignore and run away from the gifts because it feels unsafe. Let's walk in truth, in love, and in proper understanding. Let's allow the Lord to correct us and keep us on track, but let's not ignore them or miss out on the gifts that God has given and then, and then we, the other thing that we kind of established was that God desires that the diversity of gifts be available to benefit the whole body. It's a good thing that he distributes them amongst the body as he pleases. It's a good thing that it's not all about one person. We need each other. And he wants us to lean into the relationships that we need in the family of God. So there's some backdrop stuff. I would encourage you, as I've said each week, to do some digging on your own. There are three primary passages, although we see the gifts throughout Acts and other places in the scripture, but there are three primary passages that we're drawing from um, that kind of name these various gifts that we've covered. And so that's Romans 12, uh, verses six through eight. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses eight through 10, and a few more mentioned in, in verse 28. And then in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, where we'll spend a little time this morning, it talks more about some roles in the church where a lot of these gifts are, are, are on display through particular roles or, or um, positions, if you will, that, that people operate in. And so, so this morning, we've got one slash two gifts left from the Corinthians passage, and then we'll jump into the roles found in Ephesians 4. That was a long preamble. Are y'all with me? We good? That was a lot. Okay, you're hanging in there well. So what I wanna do to launch us into these last couple of gifts is I'm going to read once again just the portion from 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look at this together. This is verses seven through 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. That's where we left off last week. And so here's what you're in for this morning. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Amen? Amen. So you didn't know what you signed up for this morning, but you are here for the sermon on speaking in tongues. All right. Um, so let's give some definition to this. So various kinds of tongues is kind of how this is interpreted here. Um, first of all, the word tongue, it, it, it kind of means what it sounds like. It means your physical tongue that's in your mouth. It also can be used to just describe language or speech. And so this word various, Paul mentions here, it means kind of different uh different kinds, different families, lineage, nations. This is the idea of like different tongues from different nations and languages, right? So that's various. There are a couple of other words used in the New Testament besides various here. Jesus mentions a new tongue in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 17. Let me, let me just pause too. I said this a couple weeks ago. If you're a note taker, take notes, I also am just gonna say some of these I'm mentioning in passing for time's sake. My notes get posted online with the sermon by like Monday or Tuesday every week. So don't feel like you got behind if you missed one. Go back and look at these. Mark 16, 17, Jesus mentions a new tongue, new, fresh, unused. It means novel or unprecedented. So brand new, something unique and new. A new tongue. And Luke mentions other tongues, which means other or another or different. These are all um, ways that tongues are described, various, new, and other. And then the idea of interpretation of tongues, it means translation or interpretation. Seems pretty straightforward. It's used in the context of the scripture of interpreting unknown tongues for people. So like, I hear something that I don't understand and someone else is able to bring explanation to that. Here's what that means. That word also is used in the New Testament just to bring definition. It's used as a a definition, so like a dictionary word. And so sometimes we need definition. Like maybe I technically understood the word, but I don't really get it. And so interpretation can be helping to bring real understanding of like what's being communicated or said. So that's the idea here, translation or interpretation. So I want to give you some examples of this. I'm going to try to put these in about two or three categories for us this morning. All right. So first of all, I want to give you a kind of the example of, of the gift of tongues, but it's the gift of a tongue. That is, it's a language that is known, but it's unknown to you. It's Speaking or understanding Spanish when you've never learned Spanish, okay? It's that gift. We see that on display in the classic example in Acts chapter two. And so if if you wanna follow along here, I'll have this on the screen. Acts chapter two, I'm just reading a couple of the verses. You should read the whole story. It's great. Um, But the Holy Spirit comes and and, uh, the 120 that are gathered, they begin speaking in tongues. And so they move out into the public square. And all these people that are gathered for Pentecost from all over, from a lot of different areas and regions that speak a lot of different languages. They're out there and suddenly they hear these like roughneck Galilean fishermen speaking languages. There's no way these guys have studied and learned these languages. And so here we go, Acts 2, 7 and 8, and also a little bit of verse 11. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The idea behind this gift is God wants to make sure that the good news can be shared in any circumstance at any time, and that his word will not be restricted by our own lack, <laughs> by our own inability or ignorance. So he'll give a gift. I'm standing here with a guy that does not, we don't speak the same language. If Jesus wants him to hear the gospel, the Lord can give the gift of tongues so he can hear. I actually have a friend, a story, we were on a mission trip. I have a friend that had this incredible experience on a plane and he didn't even know it was happening, but had an entire dialogue with someone throughout the thing. And and he kept like needing somehow to help the, um, uh, stewardess is not the right word anymore. Flight attendant, thank you. The flight attendant, sorry, that was just, the word was just not there. I needed the gift of tongues right there to remember that word. Uh, the flight attendant was like having trouble hearing the person next to him. So he just thought, maybe they're speaking too quiet or whatever, so he was like translating and then they're talking and I don't remember the entire story, but like they, there was prayer at one point. It was this incredible thing. We discovered later on in the flight, this person only spoke French and he only speaks English. And somehow they communicated the entire flight. And it was like this miracle. What I love about it is there wasn't even a real, like, was I speaking French? And they were like, who knows? But there was a divine appointment between those two people and God worked it out. All right, so, so sometimes the gift of tongues is that. It's, it's a language that's known, but that's different that we don't know. And God gives the gift so we can communicate. The gospel can be shared. Ministry can happen because God is not limited. We have limitations, he does not, all right? Now, additionally, it is clear both in scripture and historically throughout Christianity that there's also this unknown prayer language. This would be like the new tongue, the unknown new tongue, all right? And so this prayer language, I wanna give you some context for this, and, and, and Paul really walks us through in 1 Corinthians 14, some really healthy parameters for corporate gatherings and helping define some things that ought to be done in a large corporate gathering versus understanding some things that might be more for some like one-on-one, smaller group kind of time with the Lord. And so he talks around the issue of tongues, he talks around the issue of prophecy and just general order and health in our corporate gatherings. And so I wanna take a look at this idea of unknown prayer language in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's start by reading uh, in verse one and going through the first half of verse five. Pursue love. Can y'all say that? Pursue love. Always a great place to start. You know, we were just in 1 Corinthians 12 a second ago. Now we're in 1 Corinthians 14 right here. What's in between those two? The love chapter, right? There's a reason Paul put that right there, that the Holy Spirit impressed upon him. Insert this right here, because this is all about love, which is preferring others ahead of ourselves. Not chasing an experience, not promoting myself, loving others. So pursue love, Paul says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Not be scared off by them, not avoid them, Not, hey, because we're pursuing love, we're not pursuing the gifts. No, there's this beautiful union of recognizing that love is the central point. And in light of that, let's earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue, listen to what he's saying here, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So he is talking about a prayer language in this instance here. Not to men, but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So when people can understand what's being said, they benefit, they're built up, they're encouraged, they can take it in and have understanding and it has impact, has impact. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Is he saying that's bad? No. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And so what's Paul's solution? Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. There is a wonderful, beneficial component, a gift from the Spirit that is this prayer language, speaking in tongues, I wanna skip down now to verses 14 and 15. Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? Well, he gives us very clear direction here. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. I'll pray in that unknown prayer language, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Let me just summarize this into kind of three things here. Number one, this kind of unknown prayer language. It's speaking to God. Mysteries in the spirit. It's it's part of a healthy prayer life. Spending time with the Lord, talking to the Lord, receiving from the Lord. It's a gift. And it's, it's for this conversation with the Lord. And it does something powerful. Paul says it builds you up. It builds you up. And then he encourages us to see this connection between praying in the spirit and praying with our mind, like with known words in a known language. And he talks about them both being beneficial. I'm gonna pray in the spirit and I'm gonna pray with my mind. Listen, I just wanna say to you guys, um, like I, I, I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues. It's a, it's a part of my regular prayer life and walk with the Lord. And what I have found often is that in times of prayer with the Lord, I actually see what Paul's describing here, the benefit of praying in the spirit and praying with my mind. There's moments where, man, I know exactly what's on my heart, what I'm worried about, what I'm contending for, you know, the the miracle I'm believing for, and I'm talking to God about those things. And then sometimes in prayer, it's like you reach the point where it's like, words don't suffice anymore. (laughs) Like, God, I don't know what else to say. And there's this prayer language that comes. And then sometimes there's this thing that happens where as I'm praying in the spirit, then some more English shows up. There's a little more clarity, a little more direction. Maybe he prompts me with a verse. And just, there's just this thing that happens of praying in the spirit and praying in English. I hope this is making sense. I hope y'all hear this as like a beautiful invitation to be, to be a healthy component in our relationship with Jesus. Remember the foundation of all of these gifts. It's rooted in an ongoing, healthy relationship with God. We're experiencing his presence, where we're enjoying being with him, where we're cultivating this relationship. And this can be a beautiful component to that. If you, if you sit too close to me during worship, you will hear me. Now, I, I purposely am not shouting it out to create distraction or disruption or throw people off who... This is very new to them, or maybe they're even a visitor. They don't even know the Lord. I, I, I want to be careful not to, because there, there's no context in that moment, right? And so, but privately, just with the Lord, I'm, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm spending time with him. And so, the, the, you know, I just want to encourage it is what I'm saying. I want to encourage what Paul's saying here. He says, man, I hope that all of you would speak in tongues, but understanding kind of its place and where it fits. And so I'm, I'm very careful and we're we'll about to move into interpretation and corporate settings. Um, but this unknown prayer language, it's meant like for private prayer, I believe. Now that doesn't mean I, you can't ever pray in tongues with other people. I'm very conscious of who I'm with. And if I'm praying with people who we're on the same page here and I know where they're at, like then there's, there's some healthy kind of safety and understanding amongst each other. Um, but it's just, again, because it's in love, it's caring about people, it's preferring people, and it's considering that where you are, all right? We good? Yes? Okay, all right. And then um, kind of this third component is an unknown prayer language accompanied by interpretation. Now we're moving into corporate prayer. If I'm gonna be in context with the larger body of Christ and there's gonna be some out loud Speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, it, it needs to be accompanied by interpretation because it's of no benefit otherwise. We need to, We need to be able to hear and receive and understand what God's wanting to communicate to his people. and so it's to be accompanied with interpretation. Um, there's some cool examples of this you could check out on your own, but um, in Acts 1046, the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, everybody's blown away. whoa. Gentiles can get saved and receive the Holy Spirit too. This is amazing. And it's, it's immediately followed by them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. In Acts 19.6, Paul's at Ephesus. And there's folks who have heard of John the Baptist and his baptism and have repented, but they had just not fully heard about Christ, about Jesus, the Messiah. And so they accept Christ and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to pray in tongues and prophesy. So we see some really cool corporate pictures of this. And so, so in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14 here, we're going to continue looking at some of these verses and we kind of get walked through how to, how to walk this out. So um, just for time's sake, I'm reading a few verses here and there. Again, it's worth reading the whole passage, but I'm going to read verses 5, 9, and then 12 through 13. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, so I'm picking up right where we left off, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. It doesn't mean the person is greater. It's not a ranking like, hey, the prophetic guy is greater than the guy speaking in tongues. It's, it's greater because it's fulfilling a need. It's more practical. It's accomplishing something because people can understand what God is communicating. All right, so um, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, right? Then the gift of tongues is really beneficial because we're having this prayer time with the Lord and something is being said and if we can bring interpretation to it, then everybody can understand. And, so, um, and then, so, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. See, that's always the idea that the church is built up and strengthened. Verse nine, so with yourselves, If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. Verse 12, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So if I'm in a corporate setting and we're spending time with the Lord, and I'm praying in the spirit, the focus should not be on me, right? It's on the Lord, and then it's on, God, are you wanting to do something here in this moment in the body? And so if there's this prayer stirring up in me that I don't understand, and I'm speaking in tongues, Lord, if this is something that you want communicated publicly, will you give interpretation to it? That the body might be built up and encouraged by what you're wanting to do or say. And so it's to be accompanied with interpretation. So we ask for the interpretation. Lord, help us understand what this is. Verses 18 and 19. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul, he cracks me up sometimes. (laughs) Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. All right, so he's just further emphasizing in a corporate setting, We speak so that we can be understood and heard by all. Verse 23 addresses another important reason for this. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, right? So there's just a lot of loud uh, speaking in an unknown language in a corporate gathering and all speak in tongues, then outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you're out of your minds? Like he's saying, you're actually creating like what's meant to be beneficial and uniting and powerful can actually create like a dividing wall that separates. And so it can bring confusion to people who do not understand. And so for the sake of others who are unfamiliar or just don't even know the Lord, we don't want them to be confused. And so, so in a corporate gathering, And and I feel like, man, the larger the gathering and the more unknown the people, the more like kind of health and structure kind of needs to be there, right? And so, and Paul even talks about that. Like in a big setting, he starts to talk in a few minutes about, hey, everybody doesn't have to say something every every time you gather. Like maybe two or three people. You know, limit it to a few people sharing something, a word of prophecy, a, a tongue and an interpretation. And so this is the context, the healthy context Um, for a corporate setting. And then I just think it's important to acknowledge one other thing, right? So the benefit is that people hear and understand. The benefit is that we're protecting people who this is unknown or unfamiliar to them. And then thirdly, we need to just understand this because I think there's confusion sometimes of like, well, am I grieving the Holy Spirit if I don't do this? But look at what Paul says here in verses 31 through like the first half of 33. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. What he's saying here is that there's a difference between quenching the spirit and being under control. Did y'all hear that? There's a difference between quenching the Spirit and being under control. Like, I I am not forced, if the Holy Spirit is doing something, I am not forced to, like, uncontrollably let this out. Like, I I have, like, autonomy and control of this body the Lord's given me, but I should certainly not shut down what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want to tend that. I want to listen. I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to quench what he's doing. But yeah, I, I am not forced or compelled. And so there's healthy ways to do this. And so, you know, I would just say in, in our church, because like the, the question probably is like, well, so what does this mean for us? Like, how do we walk this out, right? So in our context, and listen, I'm not saying we'll always get this right. I'd rather encourage that this stuff happen and at times it be clunky and messy and we'll clean up and teach and encourage and redirect. But like in our context, on a Sunday morning, um, and and probably we'll bring even further definition of this as we're growing. But like right now, you can go to an elder in our church, a leader in our church, or you can come tap me on the shoulder if you feel like the Lord's got something. If he's prompting you with something. And if you've been here for a while, you've seen Sundays where somebody shares a word, a thought, a prayer, a scripture. You know, like a vision the Lord's given. And, and sometimes I go, hey, I think that might be for now or in a few minutes, let's sit tight. Sometimes it's an immediate, yes, let's share that. Sometimes it's like, hey, I don't wanna squash or shut that down. I, I don't know that this is the right moment. And so I would rather invite that we listen and offer that stuff um, and just be, be okay with how that might unfold. Uh, also, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll encourage people like, hey, is that something you could write down? Is this something you're willing to let me share? Do you feel compelled to share? And we just we sort of sort that out. But I would also say like one of the beautiful things about remember weeks and weeks ago we talked about uh, house and temple, and temple is like the large corporate gathering, and house is like these more intimate in each other's homes. Like those are also a great place to walk in all of these different giftings. Like we know each other, we we walk together, we're in the Word together, we're growing in relationship. And man, it's a great spot to do everything from from serving one another, helping one another, praying together, to operate in some of these gifts, right? Um, Also, everything doesn't have to happen during the official, defined corporate worship. You know what happens here all the time on Sundays? People stop and they love on each other and they encourage each other and they pray for each other. They pray for healing they share words of encouragement. Like, it's one of the nice things about, I'd encourage you, like, if you're able to, get here a few minutes early. Linger afterwards, right? Like, let's engage with one another. And so it's, it's not all just about the, the official defined time of, of service. Does that, make, does that make sense? Are y'all tracking with me? Yeah. Awesome. thought I was going to go further this morning, but I don't want to rush through the Ephesians passage. So I think we'll save that next week. So instead, why don't we do this? Does anyone have any questions, thoughts, concerns? I'd, I'd love to give a little bit of time for that, and then we can wrap things up. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Sunday. Um, I'm interrupting really quickly on this podcast to let you know that the next 10 minutes you're going to hear are questions that I answered on Sunday after the sermon. And so I just want to give a brief intro to that. We opened up a little impromptu time for people to ask questions in light of the sermon that was taught. Um, However, uh, because it was kind of a last-minute decision, we didn't pass around a microphone. So you can't really hear the questions that people asked in the moment. So what I'm going to do is in between each answer that I give, Uh, You'll hear me um, just kind of briefly record here uh, kind of a restatement of the question that was asked. So hopefully this is helpful. There were several good questions asked, and we try to answer them the best that we could after the sermon on Sunday. Love you all. Pray that this message was encouraging and that we all continue to grow um, in our walk with the Lord and see the Holy Spirit's gifts operate in and through us so we can honor Him and we can love and serve one another. Pray this is a blessing to you was in regards to um, using the gift of discernment um, in the context of tongues and interpretation and prophecy. How do we discern properly um, if what we're hearing or receiving is from the Lord? Yeah, we we did talk about this a week or two ago, but um, I would just say, I mean, the discernment process, pray, listen, see if it resonates with the spirit that's in you. Um, If you're the one hearing or receiving, you know, a word or something, like not only do you prayerfully take it in, I I would say, don't ever just dismiss something out of hand. Be open. Like the scripture teaches that, be open to prophecy. Um, But it doesn't say blindly follow everything anyone ever says to you, right? We discern, does it line up with the word of God? Maybe bring in some other trusted friends or believers in the faith to go, hey, like someone shared this word for me. Man, would you, would you prayerfully consider this with me? Would you, you know, listen to that too? Um, would you seek the Lord on that and help, help me maybe discern? Just want a little extra wisdom or input. And listen, man, sometimes you don't need a, a whole long pause of discernment. Sometimes it's like, you know exactly where that came from. Right, where it's just like somebody says something, it's like the Holy Spirit went, boo, and that arrow just hits and you, uh, you know, oh that landed immediately. And I know that's from the Lord. Um, I, also, I also tend to encourage, like I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, I think the Lord maybe gave me a word or something for you. But I also feel like a lot of times we really worry about like qualifying stuff. Like this is a thus says the Lord moment. It's like, you know, if the Lord laid something on your heart, share it. If it's from him, they'll know. They don't need your qualifying statement to know. It's gonna resonate. The Holy Spirit that's in you is in them or the Holy Spirit's pursuing them if they don't know him, like, and so it'll it'll land. Andrew, was that, did that help? Cool. Any other thoughts or questions? I know it's a big topic. Is this, how many of you guys, sorry, real quick. How many of you guys, is this like new for you? Like just the teaching on speaking in tongues and stuff, is that is this new for you? Okay, cool. How many of you, well, never mind, I'm not gonna make y'all raise hands. Y'all are nervous. I can feel it. I can feel it. Here's the, I'll answer a couple more questions. I just wanna say like this this is meant to be a safe place where we can ask things that we don't know. If we come in with past hurt, struggle, baggage, like we want this to be a safe place of healing and wholeness. We're not trying to push you into anything, but man, we want everything Jesus has for us. We want the gifts that he has. We want the healing that he brings. And so I just want you to know there's a very open door to me and our church leadership. And if, if there's something to this morning where you disagree with me, like this may not feel like the right context to ask your hard question, like come talk to me. And I'll also say I think there's areas in the gospel of like clear, like essentials of the faith that are super important for us to be aligned on. I also think there's a lot of room for some difference of opinion on certain things in scripture, and it's actually okay to agree to disagree and walk in grace and love with each other, all right? So, so there's room for that, too. Okay, I saw another hand or two. It was regarding um, if there's a gift like tongues as an example um, that you have not received or experienced and you would like to, you know, you'd like to receive the gift of tongues, as an example, what what steps do you take? How do you go about that? Hey, I'm a big believer in just other people praying with you. Um, I'm not going to get you to start like mimicking sounds or something. Like, I mean, I say that because that sort of thing happens. Like, um, and so you could ask someone who's mature in the faith about it. Ask them to pray for you and with you. You can also seek the Lord. Like, hey. Lord, this is a gift that you give. It's something I've not experienced. If this is something you have for me. I'd love to have that. If this, if this helps me in my walk with you, deepen my relationship with you, Lord, I'd love to have this gift. And like, I, I know of people who've just prayed at home seeking the Lord and were given the gift of praying in tongues. Um, I, I also know of situations where people have been prayed over and for and they receive the gift and we see those things in the scripture. And that's always the safe place to be, right? What we see in the scripture. But the stuff in the scripture isn't like stories for us to learn about. It's for our benefit to walk in, to have the things that God's prescribed for us. So pray for it. Seek it. If you'd like to reach out to some other folks that you know and love that are, you know, trusted in the faith and say, hey, this is something I've never had or experienced. I'd like that. Would you pray with me for this? Those would be a couple places I would start. Was in regards to kind of defining who we are as a church. Are we... Um, a part of a denomination? Are we non-denominational? Or are we Pentecostal? And so I was kind of addressing, like, uh, I guess how we would categorize ourselves as a church was sort of the heart of the question. Yeah. So we are non-denominational. Um, for first of all, to answer that question, uh, Word and Spirit together. Um, you're working together. You know, I would say that. Um, yeah. I mean, I just. Listen, I, I believe that this is essential. I believe that it is the truth, the inspired truth. I, I want to know this, but I want to know the person this is pointing to, right? This is the word of God that we might know him and walk with him. And this, this book teaches us things about the journey we are on and how we can walk with the Lord and being who he's called us to be. And so it's not just a book of information to learn. It's a God to know, and then it's experiences to walk in. And so it teaches us how to walk in that. It gives us healthy guardrails of how to walk in that. And so, so yeah, I want to experience what God has. And so I know maybe I don't know if that feels too undefined, but I would just say if you're ever wondering how we feel about something, it's what this says. And I acknowledge that there are places in scripture where things seem um, to, there there seems to be areas where it's like people kind of disagree with how certain things are viewed. And so I'll be quick to define like, here's where our church stands on this. And then here's sort of like where I am and kind of my opinion and approach. But there's room for others to walk a little bit differently. And so, and I'll just say, like, there are people in this room and even people who aren't here this morning where it's like, we've got people who come to our church from Catholic backgrounds, Presbyterian backgrounds, Baptist backgrounds, very Pentecostal backgrounds. Like, we we have a lot of diversity in this church body, and I love that. And I, I hope our local church continues to look like that. And also, I know that his church globally is meant to look diverse. And I think it's easy... It's easy to view differences of backgrounds or even current opinions that we hold different as like things that divide instead of realizing there's beauty and diversity and there's some really rich things that come from various traditions in the faith. And I would rather highlight where we agree and encourage that and even celebrate some of the beauty of those differences. Um, I've been blessed to attend church services that look very different than ours and walked away very blessed. And benefited by them. Like, we don't think we've cornered the market and like, this is the exact right way and everybody else is a little off. I just, anyway, did that, did that answer your question effectively, Steve? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. But yes, we are, we are non-denominational. I would, I would say if you're looking for a definition of word and spirit church, It wasn't so much a question. uh, It was someone just expressing gratitude on um, our faithfulness to the Word and just kind of the openness to try to explain things in a way when we're teaching um, that's approachable and makes sense and and also um, kind of emphasizing on the things that we agree on within the body of Christ and not overemphasizing areas that are um, non-essential doctrines. So it was—it was kind of an encouragement and a compliment. And then I just sort of addressed that. You'll hear what I say in a minute addressing that. Um, just saying, yeah, we—we we want to communicate the truth clearly and accurately, um, and we want to walk in that always. I hope that's always the case, you know. And and listen, I'm not always going to get it right. I'm going to make mistakes, and we got people that'll more than let me know when I do. <laughs> right, Dad. <laughs> Uh, awesome, listen, we love you guys. And the Lord is so good and he loves us. He loves his church. And listen, the father gives good gifts to his kids. And he's specifically talking about the gift of his Holy Spirit when he says that. And so the gift is him and the gift is his presence and the gift is walking in relationship with him and then um, collaborating with him, if you will, to love each other to love other believers, and to care for people who need Jesus. And that's what these gifts are for. So if the gift of tongues helps me in my walk with Jesus and helps me to love and serve and minister to people, great. I want that, as with all the gifts, all right? All right, let's, let's pray. And then please know this is, just, this is an open door, an open dialogue. We love y'all, and we want to walk in whatever the Lord has for us. Amen. All right, well, Lord, thank you for this morning and our time together as a church family. Lord, we do lift up uh, so many of our dear friends who are ill, who are sick right now. God, would you heal and touch them, Lord? Um, God, thank you for your word and our conversation together this morning. God, I pray that, that we would be filled with your spirit. And Lord, we do eagerly desire to see the church built up and we eagerly desire to excel in building up and loving one another, and therefore, we eagerly desire the gifts. God, give them as you will for our own individual walk with you, but for our ability to love and serve well. God, would you bring clarity and understanding everywhere that you can, and may we be encouraged and built up in the faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen?